Welcome back to Podcast 65 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. Follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Ozbreakers. And follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by This Season Sports Contest. For the best football contests in the world happening all season long, please visit www.thesn.com slash OB. Play from anywhere in the world. New contests start up throughout the whole season. If you'd like to support the Icebreakers and benefit from our plays, please visit theicebreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any. For winning cappers, you get the premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patron.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Icebreakers and become a free picks and telegram subscriber. If you have any questions for our show, check out our Discord channel that you can find as well at theoddsbreakers.com. We have a great show for you today because Joey Van Vakidis, a great up-and-coming camper, is coming on to discuss a massive slate in college football with some huge games. Can't wait to talk to Joey about that. And before... We get into some college football. I want to let you know there was three podcasts this week. I'm going to be doing my NFL one tomorrow with another guest. So very excited for that. Uh, there's going to be three podcasts most of the time during football season. Wednesdays live 1 p.m. on t- YouTube. Thursdays 1 p.m. Pacific on YouTube. So that's Pacific time 4 p.m. Eastern for both of those. If you want to follow along live with our guest, and you also obviously can get the podcast the very next morning, go to patreon.com. If you support us, you get the podcast a little bit early, as well as some odds breakers swag throughout the year. We also are continuing our discount code football 2023 to get $50 off any football package and 50 bucks off any premium membership monthly subscription throughout the rest of the football season. That's football 23. All right. Well, without further ado, let's talk some college football with our great guest, Mr. Joey Van Vakidis. Now I'm very excited to welcome for the first time on this podcast, Mr. Joey Vam to the Oddsbreakers. You can follow Joey on Twitter at JoeyVam underscore. Joey, thanks so much for coming on the show, my man. I mean, we're into football season here. It's already college football week four. How's the season treating you? Uh, it's been very interesting so far. So week two was a down week for me. Um, week one, I did very, very well. And then week three, I absolutely crushed it. As you know, I was all over Missouri last Saturday. Um, I love them in that spot. And then uh, there were just a couple good live betting opportunities. Um, just really picked off Saturday. I mean, it was great. I'm really looking forward to this Saturday Slater games as well. There's a lot of really good key matchups um, that'll probably shape the college football playoff picture going forward as well. Oh, that's that's awesome, man! I was un, I was a little unfortunate last weekend. Uh, NFL's been killing it for me, so I'm really happy about that. But uh, college, I'm gonna hopefully turn that frown upside down myself. But that's how it is, man. You gotta kind of balance it, and you're hot in one sport. Sometimes you're not. I'm, 
then when you're hot in both sports, everything's gravy. So that's the way it is, man. But uh, yeah, how long have you been capping, man? You seem to be uh, really into into uh, the, the metrics and all the ins and outs of these handicaps and uh, the games, the lines itself, I'm trying to say. And uh, what sports do you do? So that that's an interesting question. I get asked this all the time. As you know, I'm young in this game. I'm 26. Uh, so I haven't been really handicapping until I was legally able to gamble at 21. But I've been following sports and advanced data and metrics since I was 12 years old. I mean, as opposed to Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon on the TV in the mornings, I'd have ESPN and Fox Sports 1 always trying to be in the now with what's going on in the sports world. Um, I follow football, basketball, baseball, even a little hockey there. I could find an edge in almost anything. Um, it's just about really going down and doing the nitty gritty work at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I see you get creative too because in baseball, I saw your tweet earlier. You wanted to take... Uh, I forgot the name of the pitcher over 15 or 16 outs because the both pen was used last last uh, last night a lot. That's, a, that's a crafty little way of looking at things, man. Yeah, Hunter Green. He had a good uh, he had a good uh, matchup here. Minnesota striked out a ton. I'm sure if you follow baseball, you know, Hunter Green is a strikeout pitcher. Mm-hmm. He went seven shutout innings and had 14 strikeouts and he went way over that 16 and a half that we needed. Uh, but yeah, uh, the Reds really utilized their bullpen the game before. Uh, they needed a deep performance uh, for their playoff push, push that they're currently having. And unfortunately, the bullpen blew that game. But that's why we went with Hunter Green over outs as opposed to taking the Reds' money line, obviously, because that bullpen hasn't been uh, stable all year long. <laughs> yeah, you're right. The Reds' bullpens have been yeah. terrible. You know, I've been, I'm having a great yeah. baseball year. I'm actually kind of fading out of baseball because football is so important to me on both sides, yeah. and I like to spend time. I'll, I'll do a little bit here and there in baseball and then come back for the playoffs. But uh, I'm guessing you do baseball, college, and NFL – uh, what else do you, you like to do during this uh, winter months, possibly? Well, my best sport, I definitely say, are college sports, college basketball and college football. I, I normally kill year-round. Well, not year-round, but during the fall and winter. Um, and then in the March Madness. Uh, that is definitely where I'm at my best. Uh, NFL, I do really well in. Uh, NBA, I tend to pick off player props here and there and try to find uh, good sides. Um, totals, I do really good there, too. Um, my weak spot definitely would be this time of the year in baseball, believe it or not. I believe it's the hardest time of the year to bet baseball because you have so many uh, people uh, either checking out for the year or you have pitchers with short hooks because they're a game out of the playoff race. So it's very tough to handicap this year part of the year with baseball. But I pretty much do everything. The only sport I don't touch too much at all is, is hockey unless I find a really, really strong edge in a certain game. All right. Good, no, good enough. Um, college is my favorite. Uh, probably best at the NFL, but that's just how it is. You know, I wish I would, uh, college was my best, but the past two years, NFL passed it. It's just the way, you know, I, I didn't choose for that to happen, but it did. And, uh, baseball was great this year too. Uh, UFC is one of my funner sports, but I've been in a, in a little bit of a slump on UFC too. So it's, sometimes it's not your favorite sport that you end up being good at, but that's cool that you're busy all year round. Yeah. Hockey. I got hockey guys. Patrick Gates is great. Here we're at the odds breakers. I follow his picks, so I don't need to put the work into that. So I'm really, I'm really happy about that. We got Rocco too for NBA and stuff like that, but man, it's uh, it, it's fun. And now it's college football time. We're right in the heart, not quite the heart of the season, but right in the beginning of conference play. Uh, so I now that you saw a little bit of these teams, I have to ask you, man, has your playoff picture changed from the beginning of the year? Do you still like any teams? Uh, are they the same coming into the playoffs as, as what you thought, or or have they changed? So, I mean, it's changed, uh, definitely. I um, mean, you look at the top 25, but I'm, 
you got to have Texas in there now after that big win in Alabama. Um, Georgia, obviously, everyone expects them to win out. Uh, but everyone's counting out Alabama here, which I think is, you know, interesting because everyone knows if they win out and they somehow beat Georgia in that SEC title game as a one-loss team, it's going to be hard keeping them out, especially when their only loss will be against Texas. So uh, I would say the favorites would have to be Georgia and Texas without a doubt. But I think Bama still has some sneaky value here. Um, All right. What are they numbered at right now? Uh, I think they're 13, I believe they're ranked right now. And I think everyone's selling out on them after what happened. In South well, to make, I think they're like 50 to 1 to win it all or something. High. Uh, yeah, they're 50 to 1 right now, uh, okay. which is, yeah. I think it's a great number considering they're one of the favorites to be in the year. Uh, everyone's counting them out after the Texas loss and then that QB experiment they had last week. I don't know what that was. Uh, I was texting you throughout the game. I was like, why isn't Jalen Miller on this game? He's miles better than the two guys they have in. I don't think those two guys, Ty Simpson and Buckner, belong in the SEC to begin with. Yeah. No, it's it, – yeah, Miller, like I, I, I suggested he pissed the coach off, and it sounds like maybe he did do that. <laughs> yeah, there was a report that came out later in the week. Uh, Miller apparently didn't take too kindly about having to share snaps with those guys. So I guess Nick Saban put him in the doghouse for a week in a game where I think he expected to be a lot easier than it ended up being. I know. But it, it was a rainy. There was no way Bama was losing that game at the end of the day. I mean, seeing Bama at 50-1 to 1 after the – you know, third game of the season is very, very fishy. You know, it's kind of like one of those, like, I almost got to based on Nick Saban. So I get what you're saying there, man. Um, yeah. I mean, and I'm not super impressed with LSU. I know they just dumped Mississippi State, but it was their defense that did that. And, uh, uh, yeah. you know, it's if Milro, here's the thing about Bama, and maybe I'll get into this more when you talk about the handicap, but um, I, I just feel like they have the stars there to flip the switch at any time and they can just figure it out. So it's very dangerous to count them out in any situation, especially with the way Georgia looks this year too. It's like, yeah, Georgia looks like they'll get easily to the SEC championship game and probably even the playoffs if they lose it. But man, it could be Bama taking them out and then we'd be rethinking the whole thing, especially if Ohio State and Michigan have a couple hiccups with Penn State lurking. So that's all kinds of storylines going on. And and USC doesn't have it that easy in the Pac-12 either. They, they have Washington and Oregon right there, and Colorado's a just a, a very hypey, sneaky team that has no depth. But you know they could get hot and beat one of the top three no teams depth, too. But they got that guy Shador Sanders at quarterback, who I think is phenomenal. Uh, they're going to be able to move the ball against anybody at the end of the day. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, without a doubt, they uh, can move. We'll the get ball. into that later. Obviously, we certainly will. Let's get into some games then, my man. And you said it, Alabama. Why don't we start with that? Ole Miss versus Alabama. Alabama's going to be about minus seven, or they are right now, anyway. I don't know how much that line is going to shift. Uh, the total that I have is about fifty-six, man. So let's get into it, my friend. Alabama had a terrible showing at UC. Last or USF last week, uh, South nope. Florida. It was a rainy day, though. Rainy bench quarterback, lots of weird feelings. Uh, you thought that would have been a good get up spot for them after Texas and everything, but that didn't show. But, you know, what do you have for this game? So, I actually am going to side with Bama here at the minus seven. I haven't really been impressed with Ole Miss whatsoever. Uh, uh, I think they lose that two lane game if Pratt is playing in that matchup. That game was a lot closer than the scoring indicated. Uh, I believe they had a, a pick six that flipped that game uh, script completely uh, for Ole Miss's favor in that game. Otherwise, it was close throughout. Um, I think that they rely on Milrow's legs a little more than they did against Texas. I was surprised to see that Milrow wasn't 
getting outside the pocket. I think a little bit of that was to do with scheme also. You saw that Texas was playing a QB contain. But I don't believe that Ole Miss is seven points worse than Bama. I think the spread should be around 10 to 14, especially in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly weird seeing it go down like that. Um, I know that Alabama, you know, had the hiccups and everything, but this is like we just said, it's it's Alabama. And what's funny about this is that the books for the first time against in probably any Ole Miss game, most Alabama games, they're going to need Alabama. The the sports books are yep. going to need Alabama to cover this, believe it or not, because I truly believe. That Ole Miss is going to be a public dog in this situation. You know what I'm saying? And you never really want to be on the side of a public dog. You know, that's that doesn't always uh benefit you no. in, in that situation. So um, yeah, I mean Alabama, uh, it's six and a half here at Bedfred, which is a little bit nicer, even. It's like if you can shop that baby around, Alabama Ole Miss yep. at six and a half. Um, that just shows you how much public money is coming in on this game. Uh, I thought I had it pulled up to um on the ncaa uh action network here uh, i will look real quick to see how much public is on it and it is uh yeah almost 68 percent of the bets and only 69 percent of the money so it's pretty even the amount of bets and money coming in here and so the books will need old uh, alabama here and there's already nine thousand six hundred twenty nine bets here counted on these numbers so uh yep. that's definitely interesting here but going back to you know some of my thoughts in this game um, it's just like an overreaction, I think, the reason with the Milrow thing. Milrow, I watched him play Middle Tennessee State, and I did lose a bet on that. I thought Bama would purposely be flat. They beat him really bad. Now, it's not like Middle Tennessee State is great, but they're a pretty decent you know, group of five team. It's not like they're... You know, UTEP. It's not like they're Kent State or UMass. You know, none of those names. You know, they're they're actually halfway decent. And the rain and everything that happened with South Florida is part of the reason I think that this thing came down. But um, Bama turned it on at the end when they had to, and all the momentum was against them, and they turned it on still. You know, uh, the issue I have with Alabama, if there is one, is that they're susceptible to explosive plays that we saw against Texas. You know, and uh, you saw that a little bit last year against Georgia, too. They Some of the teams could go over the top from them. But you wonder if that gets fixed. Uh, Jets, Jackson Dart's a very high-rated quarterback, 12.5 yards per attempt. But like you said, they didn't play a lot of great teams yet. And um, it, they played Pratt without Pratt. They played Tulane, a really good team without Pratt. So I do agree. Yeah, I think uh, they lose that game there. Like I said, I, I go back and you watch that game. That game was close until that, I believe it was a pick six or – uh, some happened where uh, they turned over the ball and it was a quick score and it turned it into a two-possession game. And then all of a sudden, uh, Tulane has to get out of their game plan at that point and they can't protect that quarterback anymore. Yeah, for sure. And that's uh, – it, it was – I watched that game. It was way – like you said earlier, way closer to the end. Um, they went over the top of Tulane too and kind of, kind of got like a deciding touchdown. You know, it wasn't a garbagey touchdown, but it was kind of a deciding factor touchdown. But, yeah, that game was close. Uh, and Tulane would, I think, would love to redo that if they can get their quarterback. Um, I'm not going yeah. against Nick Saban. This is the most important thing I think to this handicap. You do not go against Nick Saban after a bad game, after he nope. shows bad. It has just not been beneficial for anybody to do that. 
And this is could be just the time where all of a sudden they beat Ole Miss by 20 to 30 points and people are like, oh, geez, well, we're wrong. We're up against Bama. These, these yings and yangs of the media and everything you hear all freaking week is just absolutely hilarious. But uh, that's my biggest warning for anybody that wants to sneak on Ole Miss here. I have no lean because my number is seven. But, I mean, uh, if you put a gun in my head, I'd take it to Alabama. <laughs> it's just the way exactly. It is. And, and this, is, this goes back to that national title future. If Bama's to beat Ole Miss by – Three touchdowns on Saturday. That number won't be there anymore. That's almost guaranteed at that point. So, yeah, it goes back. If, if you still think Bama has a shot at getting in the college football playoff, that number's sitting at plus 5,000 right now. If you could get a plus 5,000 future in the college football playoff, you'll be able to hedge that off against anybody at the end of the day. We'll relook at that baby later. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. Hopefully that thing uh, jumps into a later discussion here when Joey Bam – Said fifty to one on Alabama. That would be a lot of fun. Well, let's move on to a uh, an uglier game, possibly when you have yeah. Iowa versus Penn State. It's just I think the reason it's ugly is because Iowa's name isn't it really? Because <laughs> that's just they just ugly up games. The totals just drop like an anchor in the Marina Chance, my friend. It's just uh, not a fun game for offense whenever they are because they have that good of a defense, you know. But then you yep. think about their defense, and Penn State's laying 14.5 points. But the total is 14.5, man. I mean, this is going to be three yards in a cloud of dust, Joey. Um, it, if you love defense, watch this game. But the injuries to Iowa, and I tweeted some of those to you, uh, Luke Lachey uh, is is out, and he's their not only their best tight end, but their top te- pass catcher by far. They don't mm-hmm. throw it a lot, and they don't throw it really good, but that was McNamara's target. And they lost two running backs, two of the three top running backs for the week as well. Actually, those are two top running backs. The third one's actually playing. So you, you think about Iowa, not, not only was their offense good before this, but now they lost their three top guys. Uh, minus the quarterback, McNamara. Geez, that is just not looking good. Now, Penn State's got elite level of talent, especially on defense. Their offensive line gets a lot of push. So this could be a game where you look at the total, you're like, you got to go the dog at 14 and a half. But I swear to God, it would not shock me if this is 20 to 6 at the end of this game, man. 20 to 6. I am going to lean under 40.5 points in this situation. And... um, the only way it goes over if good old Franklin does what he likes to do and cover those spreads at the end and you're yeah. sitting there at 37 points or something and uh, garbage happens. So that's possible. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty close to, to taking an under. I'm just I'm just going to sit sit on it for a while and make my decision Saturday, Joey. Yeah, I, I'm still thinking about this one too. The biggest thing I'm worried about is Penn State has some explosiveness on the offense. And if this game does get away from Iowa, this game could get ugly fast. But this goes back to what I talked about. I think Iowa comes out with a very conservative game plan. They don't really try to push the ball downfield. They try to move the chains, get a first down every three downs, milk that clock. Classic Iowa, ugly football. That's the only way this game stays close and Iowa has a chance in the first place, especially with missing those pieces on offense. I'm leaning – Taking Penn State on the spread because I'm I'm having a hard time seeing how Iowa's going to score the ball at all, and that's what I'm worried about here. Is if that game does get away from Iowa, what's going to happen then? 
that's they, what I'm worried about. They don't have the firepower to score, really. It would be – my worry is a defensive touchdown or so because that could happen, and then it just could – let's just say that happens early and Iowa's up 7 nothing. I don't see Iowa scoring again, but they're going to play some really tough D against Penn State, and Penn State's going to have to kind of crawl their play way back in the game, and you might get thirteen to seven yes. by the end of the uh, end of the day, right? It could be twelve to seven, four field goals that beats them. You know, it's just and that's where the game is going to depend on. I believe. I believe if Penn State jumps out in front early, that game could get ugly. But if it's a close game, or if Iowa somehow, like you said, gets that defensive touchdown, Iowa's just going to sit on the ball. Yeah, they're going to put Penn State in a bad field position. They won't care. If they got a punt from the 45-yard line every time and pin them at the 10, it doesn't matter because they'll rely on their defense to win them that game. Uh, and for sure, I think you and I can agree on that. That's the only way Iowa wins this game. They're not going to win a shootout. Well, Iowa's got like the best punter in college football too. I think yep. it's uh, Tory Taylor yeah. or something. Um, yeah, he he's like. Uh, punting like 50 to 60 chunks of yards you know it's just absolutely ridiculous and that's he's their best player <laughs> yes it was just crazy to say that a punter is the best player but that's that kid's gonna end up in the nfl just because of his leg and how accurate he is good for him hopefully he actually gets drafted yeah. too that'd be fun to see well yep. let's move on to another under the radar game and i picked this for a couple different reasons uh james madison university versus utah state utah state's about six and a half point dog at home Across the country, total is fifty-two point five. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go first, see if you have anything, but I'll give you my thoughts and angles. So I'm gonna go James Madison, even if on the road, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, we watched this Utah State team get ran all over by Air Force, and James Madison has a very strong offensive line, a good run game, and a quarterback that isn't really gonna turn over the ball at the end of the day. Uh, with that strong defense, I don't I don't see how Utah State keeps this within a touchdown just based off the fact that James Madison, in, in my opinion, has a top 40 defense. I mean, we saw the anomaly, we're going to call it, against Virginia uh, earlier this year where they had to crawl back and win that game. But I believe that showed the tenacity and the heart that this program has, that they were able to come back on the road against Virginia despite not really being a good football team. That was a uh, – a tough road game to play because it was the first home game after the shooting. So you know that the crowd was there. You know that they were playing for more than just the names on their back at the end of the day. So you saw a spirited effort from that Virginia team. But I really believe James Madison is going to cover this number here. Um, they're very good uh, at the end of the day. All right. Well, you know, so here's my problem with this spread. And my problem is my number is nine, not six and a half. So it might eventually keep me off it. But here's the interesting thing that I'm going to make. I'm going to have a slight disagreement with you. Um, This number kind of fits a system where I like where the team traveling across the country is playing a non-conference game. And this is even better in college basketball. But um, they're playing a non-conference game. It's almost like Utah State's in the way. And the players are like, God, I don't want to play. I'm going to play against my conference and beat them. I can't even make my Sun Belt championship game because of these stupid rules. I just want to wipe, you know, wipe the floor with them. So this is the massive letdown spot after being Troy and just a terrible, like, uh, annoyance spot for James Madison. And Utah State, you know, just they did just get run on. But they also – it took a lot of downs for Air Force to do it. But, you know, Air Force is just the best running team out of any of the group of five teams. So it's like, I can't really fault them that much, but um, it's just a bad spot for James Madison. And even though my numbers don't line up, 
it keeps me off of that side and makes me lean more towards the Utah State side. Now, you have to understand that um, Utah State has had the harder schedule, and to be honest with you, it, this is very strange too. They have a better yards per play margin so far than James Madison. So it's not so they're moving the ball. They're kind of throwing the ball uh, as well. So um, my worry is that James Madison allows 9.01 so far passing yards per attempt, which is a little bit high for who they played. So, I mean, of course I favor the running teams. I always do in college football, even a little bit NFL. But in this situation, um, I could see Utah State moving the ball and possibly uh, getting an upset just due to those factors I said, Joey. But – um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to the window, though, my friend. Yeah, so so I'm not certain about it. I'm going to get to the window either. If I, but if I had to pick a game here, definitely is James Madison. Just on my side, I believe the run game will play a strong factor here. Uh, if you do see Utah State fall behind early, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a similar outcome to the Air Force game last week. I just don't think this Utah State team is very good, especially in the trenches. And that James Madison football team has a really good offensive line at the end of the day, so they're going to get push on the front. Yeah, yeah, they, they should get they should get some push. They're, uh, I mean, that's how they kind of won last year as well. And um, yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's just an interesting handicap here, just because of all the situations. And that's why I wanted to talk about this game a little bit. You know, it's like I don't think anybody's numbers has this at six and a half. I just think the books no. know how weird of a spot it is, and they're trying to ask for James Madison money. They're like, hey. Give me some James Madison money here. That that worries me a little bit, my friend. So we'll, yep. we'll take a look and see how this one uh, turns out into fruition here. Well, let's move on to another game. Maryland versus Michigan State. Michigan State plus 7.5 the last time I looked. The total is at 52.5. Uh, you picked this baby. Now, uh, we had a guest on Ralph Michaels that nailed, Michigan, uh, or nailed Washington minus 16 on our show last week, and there was no worries about that in the first quarter. That thing no. was gone, baby. But what, I, ha- what happens yeah. this week is my big question, Joey. Yeah, I actually took Washington first quarter, first half, and for the game. I, this Michigan State team is a mess. The secondary is putrid. Uh, they're going to have a hard time moving the ball, even against this Maryland defense. Uh, and I have a hard time seeing them stop Maryland's offense. I mean, Talia's – I realize how volatile of a quarterback he is where you could get a few turnovers here or there. But I just don't see how Talia has a hard time throwing the ball over the top on this Michigan State defense. Just has everyone has had success all year this year so far. Um, it wouldn't be surprising to see – Maryland win by at least two touchdowns here, even on the road. I'm not, I don't really like taking road teams, especially in college football, but in this spot, especially with everything that's going on in Michigan State, this team seems like they've already checked out mentally this early in the year. They're sitting at seven and a half here at Betfred Odds, and uh, totals 52.5 and the Betfred Sports Odds screen. Okay, let's, what I mean, there's got to be a buy on point for this team, and I don't know what the hell it is. Um, I want to bet Maryland so bad here, but I mean, they were just so embarrassed last week, Michigan State. And Maryland, to be honest with you, not they I'm not saying they're the same offense as Washington, but they have a similar offense, being that they pass a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Viola is good. What I will say about Michigan State is that as bad as that offense is, it still has a little bit of defense. So 
I I would assume they worked on a few things, but this team has to rebuy in, and you know that Mel Tucker mess is just reading the papers on that man, watching Mel Tucker accuse them back of things and saying they're just trying to get out of the money. The the sexual assault allegations are fake and all that, which you're in a lot of that stuff in the media lately. It's like, is that what people just go to to get people fired? I don't know. I, you know, I have no idea to to say anything on it, but um, it's just a game that in, in my normal betting, my style, I hate betting against teams that were so freaking embarrassed, you know, and that's, that's what it is, but man, if you look at my number on this game, it is definitely above seven and a half here, man. And that's, yeah. You know, it's like it's like how far can you downgrade Michigan State here? It's 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 it could, we might not even be at the bottom yet, Joey. So that that's just another situation here. But I think it's interesting, and I'll I'll agree with you to lean Michigan or lean Maryland for sure on the spot, but um, it's it's just not my style to uh, go into this one. But let's talk about a bigger game. Florida State versus Clemson. And this is at plus two and a half for Clemson. The total is at 55. My man, this is good. I mean, there's so many great games this week, and we're going to get to them. We're kind of just warming up right now. But you got an angle on this game. So I wanted to hear what you got, Joey. I love Clemson this spot. Uh, I feel like everyone's going to look at how they beat Florida State in Florida last year. And Florida State's going to come in with this game with a chip on their shoulder, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, Jordan Travis is turnover prone. And I think that that's going to play a large factor into this game because Dabble's going to have that defense ready to go. Uh, Klubnik, he's still young. He's still got some hiccups there at quarterback. But this is still an explosive offense. And we saw, at least in the first half against that LSU in that LSU game, they also susceptible still to some uh, explosive plays. Um, I think that that Boston College game was a little bit of an anomaly. I'm not really using that to handicap this spot. Uh, I believe that that was one of those weird sandwich spots where they're like, ah, oh, let's kind of just roll over this team because we get to play Clemson next week. Uh, I would not be shocked to see Dabble on this Clemson team upset Florida State this weekend. I mean, this is one of my favorite spots on the board. It fits that system that I was talking about with Missouri last week uh, with ranked teams on the road under a touchdown. This seems like a, a, a real, real nice spot for Clemson to pull an upset and kind of remind college football that, hey, we'll steer, we're, eh, excuse me, we're still here at the end of the day. Ranked team on the road laying less than a touchdown is where you look to towards the home dog, right? Yes. Yes, okay. So that's the system he's talking about, and I don't know the exact number on it, but I know that is a above 52% system. So um, yeah. very interesting for that one. Man, I, I, I can't downplay how bad Clemson looked against Duke in the first half against FIU or FAU, though, and they looked like shit. Um, uh, it was – actually, it was more Charleston Southern even. I, it was, that's what it was. Charleston Southern, the first quarter or so. And then, and then, of course, they scored like 60 in the second half, right? So yeah. it, it's just like – I was like, Clemson? I tweeted out some funny meme about it. But um, you know, Clemson got better. They did. Since the uh, – you know, Charleston Southern game, they figured some stuff out and they put it on FAU and um, uh, Clay Kubnick. It, I don't, I, I expected him to start better this year, but he didn't, but they're sitting here with one loss against Duke. They know that their ropes are, they're on their back, you know, they're tied up. They're like this. We can't allow another loss. If we want our playoff chances to still remain alive, 
they're definitely more desperate right now than Florida State. Florida State kind of escaped the loss. And I have to assume that Florida State did look up towards the uh, next game. And um, and I have to assume that's part of it in Boston College. I actually lost a team total on Florida State, 36 or something. They had 31 points in the third quarter, the middle. And I'm like, seriously, this is going to be easy. No, yeah. They didn't score another freaking point because their mindset went away. Well, if their mindset's going away that easily, that it makes me a little bit worried. Now, FSU's number three in explosive plays, but Clemson's defense thrives on stopping explosive plays. So that's, um, that's how they've always been over the years. And uh, the total's interesting in this game because I think Clemson can score on this defense at home. And I think Florida State could get there. So... Um, it's a great spot for Clemson, and I don't want to go against Clemson at home here with Dabo with his back to the wall. But um, it's two and a half. I think you're going to get a three if you wait on it. Um, so I, I think that would be a better situation. And I, I believe it or not, even with as good as Clemson's defense shows, Florida State's defense is risky, boom, bust. They can either get smoked or you know get massive sacks and turnovers. So I like the over a little bit. I don't like it. I'm leaning it at 55. We're going to w- take a look at the weather when it gets a little closer here, but you know, I'm going to lean to the over. And uh, Ryan just popped in and said Michigan State sucks, and I don't disagree with you, Ryan. Uh, he, 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 he says go blue, so uh, you know what side he's on, right? Yep. <laughs> well, uh, you know, this blow-away records, Ryan, then, then we'll yes. be all right. Michigan needs to look a little bit better, too. I mean, there's a lot of teams that need to look a little bit better. But look- I haven't really been impressed with anybody, really, in the top 25. There's a few teams, but, like, there's a lot of parity this year in college football, so – as the season goes on, the college football playoff picture could get a little chaotic, which it, I'm excited to see how that turns out. Yeah, and the teams that look good as a, that haven't played anybody, you can say USC, um, Washington hasn't played anybody. I mean, Michigan State, they're nobody, right? I mean, there's there's just top teams that haven't played anybody yet. So it's all, it's all going to figure itself out soon, baby, and that's what we love about conference play. Yeah, and you just touched on uh, Clemson's defense limiting explosive plays. That's why I think Jordan Travis's penchant to turn over the ball is going to come into play here because he could turn around and say, I'm tired of taking the underneath routes here, taking these five, ten-yard plays, and try to shoot one into double coverage into those talented wide receivers that they have. Um, and that's where I can see this game changing, and that's why I like Clemson so much because they won't allow Florida State to get those big 50, 60-yard chunks that they love to get on offense. Without a doubt. Let's move on to maybe the biggest game of the weekend, Ohio State versus Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is now, I believe, plus three. And this total is around 55 as well. Now, I have a play on this one. Uh, It's my best bet of the podcast. And so I'll go first, if that's okay. Um, I'm I'm just going to say I am not impressed with Ohio State and I just they're they just don't look crisp yet and I know that they have the athletes that you know Georgia has the type of athletes that Alabama has and I love Harrison man how do you not love you know Marvin Harrison Jr. I think I think he's gonna you know I think Hunter of course from um, Colorado is gonna have a big case but I think Marvin Harrison might be the first receiver um, taken in the draft as well this year. You know, he's, uh, you know, just looking amazing here. But I'm not super impressed with Kyle McCord. Uh, you know, 69.7% completion looks fine and everything, but, man, they have not played anybody either. You know, Ohio State, 
uh, plays Indiana, only scores 23 points, and that shouldn't be that hard of a game. Youngstown State, they're probably being vanilla on purpose, but they scored 35, and it took them a while to get going here. Western Kentucky, you know, 63-10 to 10 is where they kind of padded their stats, but then you have this Notre Dame team with Sam Hartman. Finally, Notre Dame has a quarterback. Finally. It took them forever, but it's almost the perfect pairing this year because Notre Dame has an amazing defense. And if you remember last year, that Ohio State game, everybody thought Ohio State was the best. Well, Notre Dame almost upset them. And that 10 to 21 final score at home at the shoe, that did not show you what the real game was. This was more of a 13 to 10 type of game, in my opinion. But Notre Dame's defense, you know, absolutely got frustrated, you know. But man, this, I love their secondary and that's what makes me lean towards them towards this handicap here and that that's where i kind of started the handicap was how good those uh secondary is for this team you know thomas harper uh you know xavier watts you know these guys are absolute beasts out there you know and uh that's where they match up against ohio state um i feel like notre dame could have turned it on a couple more times this year they got lazy a little bit against NC State, and NC State kind of creeped back to within a touchdown. They're like, "Ah, oh, what are we doing? Let's just let's put it on them again in the third quarter." And then they absolutely did put them on. Now, I with my downgrades and upgrades so far, I make this a pick 'em. You know, I am not saying that Ohio State should be laying, you know, three points or four points here uh, away. You know, I think this is Notre Dame's best quarterback they've had in years. Notre Dame's yards per play is fantastic. Their defense is fantastic. Man, I'm on the Irish, and I took them at three and a half. I think that, you know, if you look around, you can probably still find a three and a half. I'll dive, I'll dive into the odds a little bit more, but this is my best bet for three stars is uh, Notre Dame plus three and a half. What do you have on this, Joey? So I haven't really picked a side yet, and I can see why you like – Notre Dame, but I have some real concerns that Ohio State really just hasn't opened up the playbook for McCord, and that's why this offense hasn't looked as explosive as it has in years past, and that's a big concern for me because these are two very strong defenses, so it's going to come down to the quarterback play at the end of the day, which is why you like Sam Hartman, and I understand that. But I think Marvin Harrison is an X factor here. I'm not sure you can find a corner in the entire country that can stop him from getting 150 yards in the game. Uh, right now, I'm leaning Ohio State. It's not super strong, though, and it's not a spot that I love. Mm-hmm. And I might be over on the Notre Dame side come Saturday afternoon. We'll kind of see. I kind of have to see how things play out. I have to look a little deeper. But that's my main concern is that Ohio State really hasn't opened up the playbook for everyone to see yet. And this could be their coming out game for the offense. But what what was the play? What's different about their playbook last year that Notre Dame's not going to be ready for? You know, because they played each other last year. I mean, did the coach change up his philosophies? Probably not. I mean, Notre Dame saw a lot from Ohio State because Ohio State was fighting for their college playoff chances at that point, wondering if they were going to lose this game to Notre Dame. And when you see how bad pine is right now at arizona state when you see how bad buckner is right now at alabama i'm not even sure if these guys belong in division one football and somehow notre dame won games with them 
You know, I, what, yes. I, what, what I love about Notre Dame, and you can even call these schedules e- equal if you really give credit to Indiana and Western Kentucky. Uh, Navy and North Carolina State is really the, the two teams that you're comparing against each other. But uh, at least Notre Dame's defensive passing play success rates number three in the nation due to those corners. Their defensive success rate in general is 11. Hell, their yards per play margins 4.5. If you want to argue about playbooks, I'm not sure if they opened the playbook yet with Sam Hartman, man. I think that there's a lot more you can see uh, with this team. I expect a very close, grinded out game. But when you, if you're going to give me three and a half in this game, man, I'm going Irish. And uh, right now, on the Betfred odds, it's at a flat three. I still would bet the Irish, but I would probably make it a two-star play and not a three-star play. But uh, here we are. And you know what? It's good to have a little disagreement, Joey. It's great. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, it's a, it's going to be probably my favorite game to watch. I will, have, I will be having a few cocktails in the pool uh, watching this with some buddies. Absolutely. Like I said, I, I don't feel strongly about this game at all, and I could end up on that Notre Dame side as it gets the kickoff. But – I don't know. If I had to make a play on the game right now, it'd be the under. I think 55 is a little too high. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it play out a lot like how last year's game played out. That wouldn't be shocking either. <laughs> All right. Well, man switched up his philosophies like Socrates. All right. Let's yeah. go, Ryan. All right. Well, yeah. let's let's move on to, and I think we covered uh, the major games that we're going into. To recap, I'm taking Notre Dame plus three and a half. You're going to be on Clemson at some point, hopefully looking for a three, correct? You're going to be on uh, Maryland minus seven and a half. Uh, and I might be on the under Iowa versus Penn state. I'm not sure about that, but you're going to be on Bama six and a half or seven. So you might get a six and a half of Bama. At Bama. There might be enough public money actually taking that down a little bit. So, um, I, I want, so if you, if you like Alabama, don't take it now, certainly take it later. Let's jump into another big game. What about Texas versus Baylor? And what's funny about this is Texas didn't look great against Wyoming. You can call it a letdown spot or whatever. Maybe they're getting ready for this Baylor game. But Baylor's got their own problems with quarterback issues and stuff. And this is a sitting at plus 15 home dog at 51.5. Here's my problem. Does Texas shit the bed like they love to do? <laughs> it's, it's like history repeats itself constantly. And that's why i always been fading Texas in these spots. You know, but I, I, this is the best Texas team I've seen. So I'm not really exactly running to the window to do so um i don't even know what side i really lean on it um i was going to break this down a little bit later but i'm going to take a look at closer see if you have any thoughts on it i won't be running to the window to bet this game but i have a hard time seeing baylor move the ball and that's 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 the issue i have taking a plus 15 and a half or plus 15 with baylor still is i'm not sure they even score 10 points in this game i've seen that offense that offense is not great at all their offense looks terrible and they yeah. don't even have their starting quarterback. You know, he's been beat yeah. up. And um, that, that, that's why the total's 51 and a half. And I even lean to the under here. You got Aranda that's a, uh, uh, you know, a defensive mind. You know, I've seen him be a defense coordinator at Wisconsin. I've seen him at LSU. Um, you know, he's a very good defense coordinator. And um, he's going to be trying to stop Texas. And uh, you know, Texas doesn't have a ton to prove here. They probably just got to win these games and get out of dodge i think like fourth quarter they're up 21 points or 27 points maybe it's maybe it's uh maybe it's 28 to 7 28 14 you know that's when they run the ball and uh you know even you can sacrifice another touchdown 28 14 28 21 let's just say 
uh, that means you're still hitting the under 51 and a half. So uh, I'm, I'm going to give a strong lean to the under on this one, Joey. Um, I, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. And uh, the large reason is, is like you said, the history of Texas, you know, shit in the bed. Uh, I could see Texas coming out with a conservative game plan, worried about, hey, let's just, you know, get this win and move forward on trying to get to the college football playoff. And let's just focus on that goal because they got that big game that's probably going to shape the college football place, uh, picture at the end of the year against Oklahoma. And I'm sure, as much as I hate to say it, they're already focused on just getting to that spot undefeated. I think that's all they're worried about right now. Because um, if they can win that game, uh, even if they lose the Big 12 championship game, I, I can see them getting in as a one-loss team if they were to win that Red River shootout. Oh, for sure. that They would, they would probably get in. Uh, what else you got? Uh, we should probably skip Ohio Bowling Green. Uh, let's go. Let's talk about Colorado, Oregon, my man. Colorado, Oregon. Everyone wants us to talk about. <laughs> you know they've been waiting for it. Um, personally, I haven't been impressed with Oregon. Um, I think they should have lost that game to Texas Tech. Um, I don't think Colorado's going to have a hard time moving the ball. The issue I have also is I don't think Oregon's going to have a hard time time moving the ball either this could play out a lot like we saw the tcu game in week one where we see like 49 to 42 something crazy like that that's why i'm leaning towards the over even at an astronomical 70 and a half i don't think that total's high enough um i i don't hate taking the 21 with colorado but because of how weak that defense is and because oregon has more playmakers on the defensive side of the ball i'm gonna lean more towards the over because I don't think either team is going to have a hard time scoring. And if that game goes under, I would be surprised. So you weren't impressed when Oregon blew away Portland State and Hawaii. Oh, big surprise there. <laughs> you know? They won the seven against Portland State. Whoa. Like, come on. Like... I know. Um, it's almost like Colorado needs to fix that defense after the Colorado State game. But it was just such a exhausting mentally... Um, tough game on them to have to come back and do that but Colorado State just marched all over them it's just like you're so scared about this defense that ranks 113th in passing success rate against a team that can pass the ball with Bo Nix you know and and move the ball at ease but at the same time Shadur Sanders is a baller man the kid what I loved about him and I said this in the last show I had he wasn't celebrating when he tied the game and got the two. He put a towel on his head, went and sat down. He didn't celebrate when they got ahead in the overtime. Then Colorado State tied him up. It was stupid and didn't go for two, and then they won it at the end. He's he's just like this. Look, I'm not celebrating until we win this game, and that's what I loved about that, man. I thought he that was just an absolute... Uh, professional way of doing things you know I always hate it when team like like I remember the Raiders mentality they they'd be down 41 to 7 they'd, they'd get a sack and the guy's just doing all these grave digger things and stuff it's like dude you're getting your ass kicked and you're celebrating a sack get the hell out of here you know that loser's mentality he should Sanders doesn't have that and they still have some very nice receivers there uh to throw to you know and it's not just Hunter you know, they have a couple other guys that... Horn is really good. Yeah, uh, Horn. Horn is, yeah, Joe, yeah, Joe Horn's kid, right? Joe Horn's kid is... Re- he's really good. Uh, and I, I think Oregon's going to have a hard time stopping him. And then we haven't really seen Shador Sanders use his legs too much, and that's going to play a factor in this game, I think. I'm um, waiting for a hook. 
I'm waiting for a hook. Um, yeah. And then I'm going to be really tempted to take the Colorado side in here. And, you know, yeah. and, and it's so funny. All these sharp people, they've been saying for weeks, oh, let's just wait till the Oregon game and pound them. Okay, now it's 21. Now what, buddy? Now you know, what? Yeah, it, you it, take it, them? It's like, yeah, yeah now are you going to take them seriously? Uh, this is this is too much. This should be about, from what we saw, I would have said 14 and a half maybe yeah. with Hunter. Then I would have said 17 without Hunter. I am not saying 21. I am not there. But well, I can't get there either. I've, I've tried. I've tried to figure it out. And yes, I know Colorado is going to be super public still because Deion Sanders just has that it factor as a coach and he's turning this Colorado program around. I, I don't think I care. I don't think I care mm. that the public's going to be on this side here. And you're going to have all that sharp money on Oregon laying 21 and a half. But that's also why I lean towards the over more because I don't think either side's going to have a very, very hard time moving the ball at all. And this could turn into a shootout very quickly. Oh, when, without a doubt, very quickly. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, oh, man, it's, it's just one of those situations where I'm not there. And um, I'm not sure if I'm going to be there. I, I really think that this should have been a different game. But here's the good news. This game is going to be, I believe, a later kickoff again. Hell, the other one went to like 2.30 in the East Coast and still was the most watched football game. Um, oh, it's a 12.30 start here on the Pacific time. So Eastern time, it's I like 3.30. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Now, okay, well, that's interesting too. So it gives a little bit less of a home crowd advantage for Oregon when it's a little bit less. Night games are scary as hell, especially when you're like in Happy Valley, right? In places yeah. like that, so... Um, that's what we have to say about that. I think it's been overbought or overpushed, over over manipulated by the books. Even yeah. you know that that sometimes happens. Because uh, this number was sitting at what seventeen last week, and then because yeah. of the poor performance, it moved all the way to twenty one. I just think it's an over exaggeration. Uh, if this number was at fourteen, maybe I'd take Oregon because I do believe this Oregon football team is a lot better than Colorado. But I just think Dion's going to have these kids ready to play. Uh, and that's that's something that you can't count out. You can't look at the Colorado State game and be like, oh, you know, Colorado State moved the ball too much. This should be a, a pushover. We talk about letdown spots all the time. They were coming off a big run against Nebraska that nobody thought they were going to win for some reason. Still can't get my head around that. But Colorado is a decent football program. They're going to give some of these top teams, Washington, USC, even Oregon this week, a tough time. I don't think they're going to be pushovers like a lot of people think. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. Let's let's move on to Oregon State versus Washington State. We'll end with this one because I don't think we need to talk about Cal Washington. Let's talk. Let's talk about Oregon State versus Washington State. And this is this could be the more exciting game if Colorado's getting blown out or any of these teams late. Yeah. This is probably a later kickoff too. Um, I'll look at and just update the spread to make sure that uh, it's still there here. Uh, it's four, right 4 o'clock, 7 o'clock on the East, 4 o'clock Pacific. We're at uh, 3. We're at 3. Washington's a home dog at 3. The total is at 57.5. I think this line's been adjusted a little bit. But um, I'm, I'm going I'm to give out another play in this. I'm I'm taking Washington yep. State, buddy. I'm taking Washington State. And, I, you know, so, there's, there's a lot of people that say don't over-adjust things. You know, things happen. 
What I noticed about Washington State is we heard great things about their spring game and how in sync they look. Well, they look really in sync against Wisconsin. And to to be honest with you, are they quite as good as Wisconsin? I don't know. I think if they're on a neutral field and things were different, they might have lost that game maybe by three points. But wow, did they put it on some other teams like Colorado State and a few others. And man, that quarterback Ward, whoo, is he looking good? He is on fire. They have a 27-year-old offensive coordinator over at Washington State. Now, Oregon State had a pretty easy schedule so far. They do have a better defense, certainly uh, you know, better than before. But I don't like DJ Weungalele that much. I don't. I, there's reasons that he struggled at Clemson. Uh, he transferred across the nation, and right now he looks like a stud. But he had a bad game against finally when he plays a good defense. And I'll tell you right now, Washington State's defense also looks pretty good, man. They are stopping teams. Uh, you know, they put it on Wisconsin, and um, you know, Wisconsin was win- lost the first half to them. They were starting to win the second half, but Washington State, with that home crowd, you know, eventually pulled that away. And I thought that was very mature of them. But this defense is only allowing uh, 3.56 yards per rush. You know, they're stopping the run here. And uh, they just demolished Northern Colorado on offense. Seven yards per play, allowing 5.62 yards per play. A nice 1.4 margin there. While Oregon State, uh, they played two uh, Mountain West teams in San Diego State did not cover last week. And that game was a little closer than this 26-9. It was it was kind of a muddy game. And then San Jose State team does not have any defense whatsoever. So, you know, they have a nice yards per play margin of, you know, more like 2.5. But uh, it, it's, it's a situation where I take the home dog with the three points with these teams that kind of know each other from last year. This was a great game last uh, when they played last year with the same coaches as well, and I'm pulling that up right now. I believe that Washington State kind of kept up with them. Um, mm-hmm. Can't remember the score here. I can't even find. I it. I think it was like 30 to 26. I think it was close last year. I'd have to double check though. Could be completely off, but I remember that game being close. It was 24 to 10, but it wasn't that close. It was. Uh, yeah. It was a lot closer yeah. in the beginning. Okay, so I'm taking yeah, Washington State yeah. here. Just my power ratings have this more as a pick them. And I'm going to stick with that. I just love what the fact that, you know, I love what they're doing on offense here. They're running the ball really well. Uh, you have Dylan Payne, 8.6 yards per rush. You know, he's doing really good, and he's only like their third guy. Um, yeah. You know, Cameron Roard is uh, running it really well himself. And he hasn't really shown what he can do on the run as well. Ward is a ridiculous 72% completion percentage, nine touchdowns. He hasn't even turned the ball over yet. Zero. They're at home. Uh, I'll take the three. I, I'm with you here, and you pretty much covered all my notes. I think this game's going to come down to if they turn DJ into a pocket passer and take away Oregon State's run game, DJ is going to turn over the ball, and that's going to flip the script this entire game completely. Right. Uh, I'm siding with the better quarterback here. I think Cameron Ward is miles better than DJ Ugalavi. How do you pronounce his name? I definitely butchered that. But, uh, yeah, I, I have a hard time not taking Wazoo. I'm definitely going to take the three, and I, I may even sprinkle a little bit of the money line there because I'm very confident in them coming through with this game. 
Yeah, and Oregon State is a rushing team. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And that's going to be, if that doesn't work, that's where they get in trouble. And now they're finally playing a defense that has done well against the rush, you know, three point like five yards per rush. And last year, where they weren't even that bad at four yards per rush. It's not like they're terrible, but they were just kind of getting their feet wet last year. And uh, they're a more mature team now. And they have the same quarterback last year as last year. Oregon State got the new guy. So, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be some revenge on the minds of Washington State. Well, Joey. My man, we are out of time. Really appreciate you coming down and breaking down a few of these games. It's going to be one hell of a weekend, my man. Where could our listeners and uh, viewers get your great information in place? So my ha- my hashtag for uh, Twitter or X, whatever you like to call it, is right there, at JoeyVam underscore. Um, I have a chalkboard group with a little over 500 people in there right now. Uh, uh, we have a bunch of smart people in there, my buddy Max and Brad. We break down the games for all the people in there, and we just have good conversation and sweat out the bets together. I definitely welcome everyone to come, even you. I would love to have you in there, Kiev, if you wanted to pop your head in there. Uh, the link's right on my Twitter for the chalkboard. But overall, all my content will be found on Twitter. I hope we can have more conversations like this in the future, Kiev, and thank you for having me on. All right. Well, I will definitely check that link out, man. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, jump on in and uh, join in the conversation. Really appreciate you having you. Uh, make sure you guys follow Joey at JoeyVam underscore. Now it is time for The Sharp Side of the Force. The Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by Betfred Sports. For 250 bucks worth of free bets, please visit theozbreakers.com slash betfredsports. All right, starting with, well, actually only college football today. As of Wednesday, 2 p.m. Pacific, Sharp Money on Purdue, plus 7, now to plus 6, hosting Wisconsin, 62% of the bets and 88% of the money. Sharp Money on Maryland, minus 5.5 to minus 7.5 at Michigan State, 78% of the tickets and 97% of the money. Sharp Money on UMass, minus 2 to minus 3.5, hosting New Mexico, 47% of the tickets and 77% of the money. Sharp Money on Oregon, minus 15 to minus 21, hosting Colorado, 42% of the tickets and 71% of the money. Sharp Money on Memphis, plus 7 to plus 5.5 at Missouri, 45% of the tickets and 81% of the money. All right, five sharp totals. Central Michigan versus South Alabama under 51.5 to 48. Actually, just flat 48, 88% of the tickets and 88% of the money. Sharp Money on Nevada versus Texas State. Under 62 to 59, 50% of the tickets and 95% of the money. Sharp money at Mississippi State versus South Carolina. Under 56.5 to 50.5, 64% of the tickets and 89% of the money. Sharp money in UCF versus Kansas State. Under 59 to 54.5, 60% of the tickets, 82% of the money. Quarterback issues in that one. And finally, another game with some quarterback issues. Louisiana Tech versus Nebraska. Under 49 to 47, 96% of the tickets and 96% of the money. Some dual action on that one. All right, to recap, we are taking Notre Dame plus three and a half for three stars. We're going to do Washington State plus three for 2.5 stars. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions for us, please feel free to email us at info at Enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll have some NFL for you tomorrow, and go get some winners. <laughs>